And when I looked closer, there was a, a Sasquatch face on the other side, and uh, it was looking right back in at us. Staring back at me is a silhouette of a very, very giant monkey. An intriguing discovery is being investigated in a community east of Seattle. Someone came across a lengthy trail of extremely large footprints. They are up there. Welcome, everyone. You've tuned into the Nicola Valley Bigfoot Podcast, a place where your encounters are told. To share your encounter and to be on the show, email me at nicolavalleybigfoot at gmail.com. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. I'm uh, Dean Gleason. I'm the uh, executive director of Seaway Valley Bigfoot Research. We're located in the Seaway Valley, as our name says, in uh, New York State. Um, we are called Seaway Valley because this region is referred to that because of the uh, St. Lawrence River runs right through it, uh, which is the border between uh, New York State and uh, Canada. And uh, I'm about maybe an hour from uh, Ottawa and maybe about an hour and a half from Montreal to kind of give you some perspective of where I'm located. Um, I've been doing Bigfoot research for probably about 25 years now. Um, I founded uh, Seaway Valley Bigfoot Research approximately 15 years ago. Um, it was uh, a suggestion made to me by a member of the BRFO um, when I was speaking at a um, convention in Baltimore. Uh, he came up to me and uh, asked if I had ever reported any of the sightings up here to the BRFO. And I said that I personally had tried to, but it, I couldn't really work it out with them. So he suggested to me that I that I start my own organization. Um, and after a little bit of thought and talking to a few of the other people in the area, we decided to uh, to uh, go with it. And um, we figured we would give it a name so it would identify the general area where we do most of our research. And so that's where uh, Seaway Valley came in. Um, I personally have had approximately five sightings over the years. There's been a couple other times where I thought I saw something, but I um, am not one of those people that every time I see anything move in the woods, I think it's a squatch. I have to definitely <laughs> know that I saw it to count it as a sighting. Um, my first experience uh, with a, any kind of Bigfoot um uh, incident at all was when I was a young boy. I was, I think, a sophomore in high school. Um, I used to trap and hunt a lot with my grandfather, who was probably the best woodsman I ever met in my life. And he taught me everything I knew about the woods, about hunting, about tracking, uh, even about fishing. He was a great fisherman also. And him and I were doing some uh, muskrat trapping in a creek up in the area where we live. And um, I had noticed that we'd always avoided this one little inlet that went in towards the hardwoods. And I'd asked my grandfather several times, how come we didn't put any traps up in there? And he always just said, no, nah, just don't put any up in there. So I thought maybe, you know, there was the person, the landowner or whatever had told him not to, but he never really explained it to me. And my grandfather was the kind of man that if you asked him what time it was, he'd tell you how to build a watch. So it was kind of strange <laughs> that uh, he didn't, elaborate more on why we couldn't trap there. So 
anyways, after a few years, he uh, decided that I was uh, able to do the trapping by myself. So he didn't go with me as often. So being, you know, the young cocky young man I was, I saw no reason not to put traps in that area. So I did. And uh, never really caught too much in there. But one day I came through there and I thought that it looked like I had something in one of my traps. So I went over to see what it was. And uh, what had happened was I had caught a huge snapping turtle. And I don't know if you ain't know anything about snapping turtles or not, but they're one of the most vicious animals on, on the planet. They will take your finger off in a heartbeat if you get your hand too close to them. Yeah. I was trying to figure out, yeah, how to get this, this guy out of my trap. So uh, finally I decided, well, I'll put a boat over between his head and where he's caught, and then I'll be able to get him out of there without you know, him being able to turn on me. So I, I reached in there, and I, I got the trap off his flipper, and as soon as I did, I pulled the, the paddle back, and he kind of gave me the little turtle you know, equivalent of a finger and took off into the creek. So um, I went to reset the trap, and I looked over, and there in the marsh coming up to the trap was a set of squatch prints. It came from the hardwood right out to the trap. And I was like, holy cow. And uh, so I started looking a little bit closer. Sure enough, they were what I'd always seen pictures of, uh, Bigfoot tracks coming right to the trap. So um, the Bigfoot did not go back to shore. He continued around the trap and went into the creek. So I, um, I pulled the trap out of there. I didn't reset it. And uh, I took my boat and went over to the other side. And I found the spot where it came up on the other side of the creek. And it swam across. And then, and then went up into the hardwood on the other side. So I never asked my grandfather about that, but I think he may have seen something in that area and just didn't want to scare me, so he never told me. And uh, that's one of the regrets I have that I never did ask him uh, if he did see something in that area. But uh, that was my first uh, inclination that there were Bigfoot in this area is when that happened. And for years, I, I never told anybody about what I saw. Um, but my first official sighting was um, probably about, um, oh, I would say probably 17 or 18 years ago. Um, I had went to go deer hunting over on my brother's property. And I had stopped into the house to talk to him first because I, he has uh, cattle that he, he um, moves back and forth. And sometimes they're in the pasture near the woods. And sometimes they're on the other side. So I wanted to find out where the cows were so I'd know where it'd be okay to hunt. And um, while I was talking to him, he had said, uh, well, you might get a treat while you're back there. There was a moose sighted out here a couple of days ago. And in my area, it's a big deal to see a moose. We don't have a lot of moose in this area. There's moose in the Adirondacks, but in the area where I am, they, they very rarely wander through here. Uh, in fact, I, I have never seen a, a live moose in our area. So I thought, well, that'd be kind of cool. So anyways, I went back and found my spot that I usually set in. And uh, I sat there till almost dark. And I was just thinking about getting ready to leave. When uh, directly out in front of me, I heard kind of a, a weird noise. And I thought, geez, I, I don't know what kind of a noise a moose makes. But uh, maybe that's what's there. And so I, I was watching the spot. And the brush started moving like crazy. So I knew it wasn't a deer. It had to be something a lot bigger. So I'm all excited to see a moose, and I got to see something even better. A, a Bigfoot came up through the brush, stuck his head up, looked around, 
made a couple of uh, noises like a fresh, a, a very large frustrated man, like something had like you know you know had really not gone his way, and um, he looked around and then he he walked back into the brush. I got to see him for maybe about oh I don't know five ten seconds, but there was no doubt in my mind what I saw. It was it was a big huge male Bigfoot. Do you, and, do you know um, what it was frustrated after about? that? I'm sorry. I don't mean. I'm, I hate to interrupt you, but I have to ask. Like, what do you think he was frustrated about, or or do you think it was just the noise that it was making? I think he was. He might have been annoyed because there was some cows across the road making noise. And they started up because my uh, stepfather had uh, had brought some feed over to him with an old beat up pickup truck that he used to use, and he'd start that thing up, and you could hear it for miles around when he started it. He just used it on the farm, so that had happened just a few minutes before that. So oh, okay. I'm thinking that maybe he was sitting down in that brush, uh, hoping maybe to ambush a deer coming through there. And when all that noise started, it, you know, he just, oh man, I got to find a different place to place to hunt tonight or something like that. That was my thought that maybe that's what was going on in his mind, but you know, I can't tell for sure. Yeah. But that was the, he. It, it sounded to me like a big, like a big, you know, huge barrel-chested man when he when he's frustrated. You know, kind of went like. Oh, like like that kind of a noise, oh, okay. and um, and then he just walked away. And what did you think at, at that point? Like, had you had any real idea what to? And I guess this is a silly question at this point, but did did you know about Bigfoot before this? And like, did you have any expectations of what you know it looked like or what kind of actions it was going to take or anything like that? Well, I had, I had you know uh, when I was a kid, the first movie that I ever went to see on my own was a movie. Um, probably some of your listeners will know about it. It's called mysterious monsters. Uh, it was a movie came out in the late seventies. Uh, Peter Graves hosted it and it was a, a documentary kind of thing. And it was mostly about, uh, Bigfoot and the Loch Ness monster. And, um, it was the first time I ever saw the Patterson uh, footage was on that movie. And, um, I thought it was pretty cool. I thought, wow, you know, that, that would be really neat if Bigfoot did exist. Um, this was before I found the tracks uh, in the swamp that day. Um, that was several years later when that happened. Um, but I didn't know that for sure that there were Bigfoot in, in the area where I lived. I, I thought growing up, I thought that was a, you know, Pacific Northwest kind of thing. Um, I'd heard about some sightings in the Appalachian Mountains, but I'd never really heard too much about them up this way. Uh, but then after that happened, I started really looking into it. I went on the internet and did some searches. Um, I found where there was actually quite a few sightings in this area. Um, there's a map somewhere that uh, you can see that shows Bigfoot sightings uh, throughout the country. And we're actually in, in kind of a little bit of a hot spot up here. Uh, for Bigfoot sightings, especially in New York State. And we're not too far from uh, Whitehall, which, uh, you know, everybody knows about the sightings that have been there, and there's been books written about the, about that area. Um, so, you know, that was what really started making me think. So then I started purposely going out looking for Bigfoot. Um, I would, do, you know, not just during hunting season, I would go in the summertime, and I would go in the, in the spring, and I would look for sign. And I, and I would find it. I would find tracks. I found tracks, oh, just how many times? Quite a few times. I, maybe just one track, and sometimes you find three or four. Um, 
So that really made me think, wow, we, we've got some, some Bigfoot in this area. But I didn't have another sighting for probably about oh, at least three or four years, maybe even a little bit longer than that. And um, I had gone, I, I have a job where I, I take care of elderly people. I'm, I'm a, what they call a home health aide. I go to people's houses that are uh, infirm or recovering from surgery or just, you know, elderly and need a little bit of help. And, and, and uh, so my hours vary. Um, but this one particular fall, I was having a lot of free time uh, towards evening. I was getting done work about two or three o'clock in the afternoon. So um, I was spending that time in the woods. And um, I have a, uh, a really nice uh, tree stand uh, on the property that I own. And um, I was up at the tree stand almost every evening for about two weeks and, um, you know, watching the deer come out in the field and, and uh, you know, sitting there waiting, hopefully a buck would come by and because uh, I do deer hunt. And um, I seen these three deer every night, these same three doe, they come out of the woods every night. You could almost set their watch by where they, you know, about what time they'd be there. And they would come out in the field and they'd graze. Well, this one night they came out. And they were acting real funny, and they kept on staring back towards the corner uh, of the field. And so I thought, well, that's not a big deal. There may be a hunter over there coming in from the other side, or there maybe there's another deer there. So I was kind of just, you know, uh, going back and forth between watching them and, and looking the way they were looking. But they kept on staring that way. And finally, the one doe got very upset. She started stomping the ground, and she started uh, what they call blowing, which is they they raise their head and they they do a, a, a blowing sound that alerts the other deer in the area that there may be danger. And then she just turned and ran and the other two doe went with her. And uh, as soon as that happened, there was a scream, growl, um, hair curling sound came out of that corner. And uh, I had heard recordings of, of a Bigfoot aggressive call before. And that was exactly what it was. And he was upset and he was just bellering as loud as he could. The air just felt like it was vibrating. And um, I was, I was pretty shocked. So I'm, I'm watching that spot. And um, as soon as he did the first uh, series of that, every coyote in the, uh, for probably 20 miles around started howling. And um, then he did it again. And the second time he did it, they all shut up. It was just like somebody turned the, the volume off on the world. Just everything got dead quiet. So I decided that uh, discretion is the better part of valor. So I got down out of my tree stand and, and I left. So I went back over a few days later and I set up a game cam, uh, see if maybe I could catch whatever it was. And um, it snowed. And uh, I came back, uh, I said to check, and uh, there was some tracks, but it got almost to where the game cam would have probably got it, and then it turned and went back into the brush. I don't know whether it saw the game cam, or uh, I've heard people say that they can see the infrared, uh, but it, it stopped right where it needed to stop not to get a picture taken, and it went back into the brush. So <clears throat> about uh, oh, three or four weeks later, it was the end of the season, and um, I was up in my tree stand again, and a buck came out just about dusk. It was just about time to quit hunting, and I shot the buck. 
So I went over and I made sure that, you know, looked at the buck. It was dead. There's no doubt in my mind this was a dead deer. So I left the deer there and I walked back to where I parked my vehicle and I put my stuff away and I came back to, with my vehicle to load the deer and the deer was gone. I mean, it was just totally gone. There was no drag marks. There was nothing. It was just not there. So I got my flashlight out and I started looking around, trying to figure out what happened. And there's a drainage ditch that goes between the hay field and the woods. And I looked over there and there my deer was in the drainage ditch. The only reason why I could even see it was one leg was sticking up over, over the grass a little bit. So I went over and, and uh, there was no drag marks or anything. So whatever took it there had picked it up and carried it. It, it, had, it hadn't dragged it. So I pulled the deer out of the drainage ditch and I started field dressing it. And just off where I couldn't see it, uh, I believe it was a Bigfoot. This time I didn't actually see it, but I could hear him. And he was making a huffing sound, like off, off, like that at me. Mm. So I, um, I pulled the deer over. I, I backed my truck up. I threw the deer in the truck, and I grabbed my flashlight and I shined my flashlight over in the area where the sound was coming from, and I saw like the outline of of the Bigfoot, but I didn't actually see him. I could just see like the outline of him in the dark. And he turned around and just walked away real fast. So um, I didn't really count that as a sighting because I, I didn't lock eyes with him. So, but I could tell that's what it was. It, it had, it was nothing else it could have been. So anyway, um, the next year come around for hunting season, I had, I'd been over there several times and hadn't seen anything or hadn't heard anything. So hunting season came up and it was, we have two seasons up here. I don't know how they do it where you live, but they have an early season where you can hunt with a bow or a muzzle loading rifle. And then it goes into regular season where you can hunt with a rifle. Well, this was early season and I was hunting with a, uh, with a black powder rifle and uh, I had shot at a deer and I wasn't sure if I hit it or not. So I went over and I was looking for blood, couldn't find any, but I went into the brush uh, to see if the deer was up in there because it ran over into the brush after I shot. And uh, I looked for deer for probably a half an hour, maybe 45 minutes, and didn't find anything. So I made a big loop and came back around because sometimes deer will come back to the spot that they started at if they get scared or whatever. So I made a big loop around and I came across this big flat rock that's there and I'm wearing rubber boots, so I'm not making hardly any noise walking through there. And I came back over and I stepped into the hardwood and I took maybe five or six steps and I saw something out of the corner of my eye. And at first I thought it was a stump or maybe a, a boulder or something there. So I took two or three more steps and, and I thought to myself, no, I don't remember there being you know, a boulder or, or anything like that there. So I stopped and looked and I thought that there was a hunter sitting on the ground with a ghillie suit. And the land I'm hunting on is private land. I own uh, half of it. And my brother-in-law owns the other half. So the only people that are supposed to be in there are family members. And of the family, I'm the only one that, that hunts with a muzzleloader. So there shouldn't have been anybody else in there. So I kind of walked at, a, you know, at an angle towards what I thought was this hunter, not trying to act like I even knew he was there because it looked like to me he was trying to hide from me. He had his head all ducked down. And he was kind of looking at me over his shoulder. So I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to walk over towards him and then I'm going to turn around and I'm going to yell at him. So 
I got probably 40 or 50 feet away and I stopped and I turned around and I said, hey, buddy, what's up? Well, then it stood up and it wasn't a person. And it was not a full grown Bigfoot. It was maybe four foot tall and it was all brown matted fur, except for his face and his hands. And it just stared at me for, at the time it seemed like forever, but it was probably only three or four seconds. Didn't run, just turned around and, and leisurely walked away from me. And I was like, holy cow. I just said, hey, what's up to a Bigfoot? Wow. And um, I was just shocked. I stood there with my, my heart pounding and, and um, didn't know what to do. So I left. I got, my, I got my vehicle and I left. And I came back, oh, maybe three or four days later. And I, it was raining when I got there. And I pulled my truck in between two round bales so the truck would be hidden from the field so the deer wouldn't see it. And uh, I wasn't in a big hurry. I had all day. So I was sitting in my truck and I was drinking a cup of coffee and uh, about 300 yards directly in front of me, there was a gap in the trees. There just, there was an old elm tree that was there. It had been dead for years and I had cut it down the year before for firewood. So there was kind of a little bit of a gap in the tree line. And I was just sitting there drinking my coffee, kind of just looking at the field. And I looked at that spot and I saw a head playing peekaboo with me around a tree. And I just stared at that spot. I'm like, holy cow, it, it's, it's got to be mom or dad because it's, it's a lot bigger than the one I saw. And suddenly it stepped out and filled up the gap and just stared right at my truck and then turned around and walked away. So I thought about that for a while. I'm thinking to myself, was that some kind of a message? <laughs> was it telling me, hey, you know, you were way too close to my kid, or was it a thank you um, for not hurting its kid? It let me see him because of what happened the last time I was there. And uh, to the, you know, I'll never know, but that was the two things that I, that I thought about since then. Which one was it? Um, so anyway, that next summer after that, I decided I was going to. Uh, start gifting the Bigfoot back there. I wanted them to know that I was not there to hurt them. I wanted them to uh, get used to me being around because I was hoping that if I could establish some kind of relationship with them, positive relationship with them, maybe they would let me see them more often. So I started taking things back to them, little things at first, then I started bringing bigger things. And uh, a friend of mine works for a um, uh, grocery store and he knows that I work with the uh, with the elderly and uh, so every once in a while he'll give me something that the uh, grocery store is going to write off for some reason or another and you know so I can give it to him and he gave me two cases of the generic Oreos cookies and I just did not have enough people to give them to us so I still had quite a few of them left so I thought to myself I wonder if Bigfoot would like cookies <laughs> I started taking a couple of packages back at a time and leaving them on my gifting spot and sometimes they would take them and sometimes something else would get into them first. I could always tell if the Bigfoot took them because they would take the whole package. They would just pick it up and leave with it. If another animal got into it, it would eat it right there and leave the wrappers. So um, I started doing that. And um, there was going to be a, um, a comic con convention in our area 
and they uh, it was the first one they were ever going to have. And the uh, guy that was organizing it wanted to do some paranormal stuff too. So he had a guy from a ghost hunters group that he had scheduled to be there. And uh, he asked me to come and, and speak about Bigfoot. So I did. And a couple of days later, I was uh, planning on going over to my gifted spot that day. And he showed up at the house. He just knocked on the door and come in. He goes, hey, he says, I really want to go with you next time you go up there. Is it okay? And I said, well, yeah, I guess it'd be all right if you came with me. I said, in fact, I'm going to go up here in a little while. And he said, well, my wife's with me. Can she come too? And I was like, sure. So I took him up and I showed him around. I showed him uh, there's some caves up there. I showed him where the caves were. I showed him uh, where I'd seen my first first Bigfoot sighting. I showed him where I um, where I do my gifting. And uh, he said to me, he goes, geez, I feel bad. I didn't bring anything to gift them. I didn't think about it. Um, but he'd thrown his cooler in the back of my truck. He had some soda and stuff in the cooler. And he goes, wait a minute. So he went over to the cooler and he took out a 40 ounce can of Bud Light. And I just kind of laughed. And I said, well, I, I don't know what they're going to make of that. And he says, well, he goes, at least I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't not leave him something. And I go, yeah, you're right. So uh, we left and we went over to the other side of the field. And I wanted to show him uh, where, the, where I'd seen the, the young one. And his wife uh, wasn't feeling well. So she decided to stay in the truck. So him and I went tramping up through where I, and I showed him the spot. And then I showed him a couple of other things up there that I thought were cool. And uh, we came back to the truck and his wife was out of the truck and she was standing next to it, staring back towards the gifting spot. And she says, guys, something just came out of the brush over there and it ducked down into that long grass. And I said, really? And she said, yeah, can you see it? And she showed me the spot and I could see something moving. And uh, there's a little um, deer blind back there. It looks like a little cabin that my nephew put up a few years back before this. And uh, it was right near that. So I had a set of binoculars in my truck. So I pulled the binoculars out and I looked. And sure enough, it was the, it was the young one. He'd come out of the woods and he was in that long grass and he was looking at us. So they both got to, it was their first time out squatching and they got lucky they saw one. And um, he stayed in that long grass the whole time we stayed there we we probably watched him 15 minutes and uh he oh, kept wow. looking behind him and uh i said to him i think i said to the other two people i said i think that one of the adults is behind him so i started watching where he was watching and i saw the brush moving but i didn't see anything there but i'm sure that that's either mom or dad was probably there giving him an earful for coming out in the field too soon because we were still there. And, um, but since then, um, I've seen glimpses of him several other times. I've never really had where I would call a sighting, but I've seen brown hair go by fast. Or you'll turn around and you'll see, you know, a, a, just a movement and you see kind of a brown, something brown moved. I, I think he kind of follows me around back there when I'm there now. Um, I haven't seen him lately, but that went on for a little while after this, after that day. So anyway, uh, to get back to the gifting, I went back to uh, put some more stuff out about a week and a half later, and everything was gone, including the beer. So I called my buddy up, and I said, well, I don't know if they're going to figure out how to open it up, but they did take it. And he laughed, and he thought that was pretty cool. So uh, about uh, a week after that, I went back to cut some firewood, and uh, I ran the chainsaw for probably about an hour, hour and a half, 
And uh, I had stopped it, and I was throwing the wood into my truck. And um, that was one of the days where I saw something, a flash of brown uh, while I was cutting wood. And I was throwing the wood up in the truck, and all of a sudden, bam, a tree got pushed over. Not a real big one, but a tree, and it was pretty close. So I started laughing. I said, are you trying to help me? <laughs> <laughs> and I, and, and um, I, I'm thinking that it might have been that little guy. And, he, and, and I think maybe he thought he was helping me because <laughs> he seen me cut down several trees. That's so very, very funny. Thought, I guess maybe he, yeah, yeah, I think maybe he thought he was helping me. <laughs> yeah. You so, know, a, a lot of people would, um, would, would, would interpret that as a, a sign of aggression, but it, it's really kind of refreshing to have somebody, you know, say, well, you know, maybe it wasn't. It was just him trying to help. Yeah, that's what I thought. That was a, I didn't think he was being aggressive. That 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 thought didn't even go through my mind. I just thought, I think that little guy's trying to help me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I mean, because I've been being nice to him, I've been giving him cookies and stuff. You know, there was no reason for him to be upset with me. So uh, anyway, I uh, I haven't seen him in a while. He must be getting pretty big by now, but I haven't seen him for a while. But. Uh, a few weeks after this incident, it, hunting season started. So I went back to uh, go to my uh, my tree stand, and there on the third rung of uh, my ladder that goes up into my tree stand was the beer. <laughs> they, I guess apparently really? they couldn't figure out how to open it, so they brought it back to me. <laughs> wow, that is very, yeah, very cool. Right there on the, yeah, it was sitting right there on the rung of the ladder. So then I had to call the guy again and tell him what happened. And he thought he, he got, he got laughing pretty hard about that. I said, yep, they couldn't figure out how to open it, I guess. But, uh, so that, that was pretty cool. So, um, last, I'm, gonna, I'm jumping around here a little bit. This, some of this stuff isn't in chronological order. You have to forgive me. I'm getting old and I can't remember exactly when things happened. Oh, that's fine. But, um, I wanted, I wanted to tell you about this cause this was pretty cool. Um, this summer there was a sighting right down the road from me that, uh, kind of went viral it was um one of the guys from the local radio station was he also has a band and he was uh coming home late at night and a uh, bigfoot ran across the road in front of him and he saw it real good he got a real clear view of it so he went on facebook the next day and he wrote about his experience on his facebook page well it got picked up by the local media and um they called me because i'm the local guy that uh you know takes the reports and everything. So they called me to get my opinion on what was going on. They interviewed him and they interviewed a couple of the other big footers in the area. And uh, we hadn't had a, a, a meeting of uh, the researchers up here in forever. Uh, so we decided maybe it's time we had one again. So we all got together that night and we invited the, the eyewitness and he came and he told his story. And so then we got telling our stories and stuff and, and it was a real nice time. We probably, We'll talk for two or two and a half hours, just telling our Bigfoot stories and and um, things that we'd seen. And, and I, I learned a lot that night, and I thought that was going to be the end of it. Well, um, the National Wire Service picked up the story, and we're just a little small area up here. The Watertown Times is probably the biggest paper in the area, and they were the ones that ran the story. But it got picked up, and it went national. And it even was mentioned on Coast to Coast, I guess. I didn't hear it, but somebody told me it was on there. And uh, two or three radio stations called and wanted to talk about Bigfoot. So, you know, I did, I talked to him and a couple of the other uh, researchers did too. And um, 
Then I get a call from PBS. The PBS wanted to come up and talk to me. Well, I had already planned on going to, uh, I have, I showed you the, I sent you the video of where our headquarters is. Yeah. And I was planning on going up that weekend and staying there anyway uh, with my grandson. My grandson uh, lives in New Jersey and he was up here visiting me. And so I, him and I were just going to go over and hang out there for the weekend. So I told him, I said, well, if you guys want to come there, you can. So they came and um, they, they, we, they scheduled to come on a, on a Friday uh, morning. So, or excuse me, Saturday morning. Him and I went up there Friday and um, we walked around just to see if anything, you know, was, we could find anything that they would like to film. And uh, my grandson came across two tracks and they were very, very small. They looked like a toddler's tracks. Um, so I'm thinking that if what I am assuming is correct, that there's a family living on the property or near the property, I, I think they may have had a, another child over the winter because these these tracks were, were very small and uh i can't see a little kid running around barefoot back there where we found them but unfortunately it rained that night and there wasn't enough really left of the tracks for them to film the next day when they came oh, no. but uh they came they came and uh they filmed for two and a half hours up there i took them around and i showed them some different things and i i talked to them about tree knocking and about the gifting and stuff we do and uh, they wanted to see how we uh, do gifting. So they brought cookies with them. So I showed them where I put the cookies out. And I, and I told them, you know, what I do is I usually yell and say, hey, I, you know, I left you something. You know, there's no strings attached. It's just my gift to you. That's, I say that every time I do it. I don't know if they understand what I mean by it, or but it's just something I do. And um, so they... Uh, they thought that was pretty cool. They filmed all that. They did like a 15-minute segment on one of their on one of their local uh, shows about it. And they talked to me and a couple of the other guys, and they talked to the eyewitness whose story started the whole ball, ball rolling this summer. So, um, my grandson was up here for a month, and it was the last week he was here. Him and I decided to go up there for another couple of days. So we went up there, and I had invited a couple other people. Um, I thought we'd have a cookout up there and just hang around, have a bonfire, and, you know, just enjoy ourselves. So when I got up there, uh, I had to use the uh, little boy's tree. So I went out to the woods to, to do what I had to do. And while I was taking care of business, something walked by me and I couldn't see it, but I could hear it. And it sounded pretty big. So I'm thinking, well, that might be one of the, one of the Bigfoot. So I, after I got done, I kind of walked over in the direction where I'd heard the noise, but I didn't see nothing. The ground was real dry. There was no opportunity there for them to leave tracks or anything. So I just went back to the camp, and uh, I hadn't been back there very long, and wood knocking started. Now, normally when they do the wood knocking, at least it's been my experience, that you'll hear two or three pops on the tree, and then that's it. And then, it'll, and, you know, it'll be a little bit of time, and then maybe you'll hear it again. Well, this kept going on, like something had riled them up. They were really doing tree knock. I mean, they just kept it up. They kept it up for about a half an hour, and I got some of it recorded. I recorded some of it. So my grandson and I were standing out in the field, and uh, we were listening to the tree knocking, and one of my friends showed up, and he pulled up in his Jeep, and it stopped. So he came over, and he said, what are you guys doing? And I said, I told him we were listening to the Bigfoot doing tree knocking. He kind of laughed. He's a skeptic. He, he, he's not a non-believer, but he's kind of a skeptic. He kind of laughed. Oh, yeah, right. 
I was like, no. And, and my grandson was like, no, we heard it. So I said, well, I said, let's get back to the camp. I said, I think they're, whatever was going on is done now. They're, they stopped. So let's go back to the camp. So we went back to the camp, and I threw some hot dogs on the grill. And, and my friend had the same problem I had. He had to use a little boy's tree. So he went off to go to the bathroom, and I, I was still standing there at the grill cooking the hot dogs. And all of a sudden, pop, pop, pop. And, I mean, it was right on top of us. And he come running back. He says, did you do that? And I said, I haven't moved from the spot. I'm grilling hot dogs. I have nothing I could have made that noise with. And he, he goes, it was right there. It was right there. So he was all excited. So I says to me, I said, you know what? I've had some experience with this tree knocking. And I've never had them do it like they're doing it today. I said, something's going on. So I said, I want to walk back around over there. I says, look back towards the hardwood. Maybe there's something going on that I didn't notice. Well, when we walked back around to go to uh, off to where the camp is over into the field to go back to look at the hardwood there, and it wasn't there when we were there the first time, they'd left three or four corn cobs and about seven or eight potatoes in a little circle right there where, you know, we couldn't have missed them the first time. They did it while we were over cooking the hot dogs. Whoa. And... And uh, I think it was their gift to me because I had left them the cookies, you know, out there uh, the week before. And they'd never done that before. So I, I really think that they were trying to re-gift me with something that was valuable to them. That is very cool. Very, very cool. Wow. Yeah. Do, do you yeah, think I think that I the... sent you a picture of that, the, the, yeah. of, the, of the corn and the potatoes. Oh, yes, you did. Yeah. That, but that was that was really it surprised the heck out of us. Uh, and I know it wasn't there when, when we came out the, the first time. Do, do you think so, that the, the triple tree I, knock there, that that was kind of uh, a, a, a message to you saying, hey, can you come look at what we left behind here? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think the original tree knocks were to get my attention and uh, or for them to to see who was there. You know, they want, I think maybe they wanted to make sure it was me. So they wanted to draw me out where they could see me. And um, so, but they, but then uh, the other tree knock, the one from behind the camp, I think that was, that was probably to get me to go back to look. And I think that's what they were doing. So I thought that was pretty cool. That is very, that, that very cool. They were really actually, inter they were actually interacting with me. Uh, yeah. I, and I think that they're, re they're realizing um, what I'm trying to do with them. And, and they understand that I'm, you know, I'm not there to hurt them. I'm not there to try to interfere with what they're doing. I'm just there to be kind of a friend to them. And um, I, I think they're, that they're realizing that. At least I hope that's what's going on. Yeah. And but, it's, yeah. I think it's very fortunate that you, you know, that you have a very open mind and you do have the, the, these creatures living on your property because, you know, for, for a researcher, I mean, it really doesn't get much better than that. Um, was there ever any kind of sense of, of I, I don't like using this word, but like of dread or, 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 you know, were you ever scared that these creatures were so close to home? The only time I was scared, and I've been going in the woods since I was a kid, especially those woods, because those woods were part of my grandfather's farm. And I lived most of my childhood with my grandparents. And I used to play in those woods. You know, uh, back when I was a kid, they kick you out of the house, you know. 
now they want you to stay in the house. But back then it was like, oh, go outside and play. Yeah. You know, yeah, the good old days. And uh, so, yeah. And so I'd go out and I'd walk. They didn't worry about me. I come, you know, as long as I was home, you know, for dinner and, and um, on school nights, I was home by my bedtime. And they didn't really care what I did. So I'd play in the barn. I'd play in the woods. I, you know, I would do a lot of stuff. I probably did a lot of stuff I shouldn't have done. <laughs> probably a lot of dangerous stuff that I probably <laughs> lucky I survived. But uh, yeah, I used to go back and walk in those woods when I was a kid and I was never scared. And the only time, like I said, that I was ever, ever scared was the night that I, I got those aggressive howls. Um, that scared me. I was, I was, didn't know what was going on. And um, I, to this day, don't know what was going on. I don't know whether that was aimed at me, whether it was aimed at, somebody else whether it was aimed at some other situation that i had no idea you know that was happening but it was that that squatch that night was upset you could just tell and it was the scariest thing i've ever heard in my life i mean it was it was just unbelievable how scary it was they, they and, have, um, they, i mean i've heard some priests go ahead i was gonna, I was gonna say it sounds like they've gotten accustomed to you kind of coming into the forest i mean i'm sure they don't realize the property lines and you know it's your property but you know it sounds like to me that they really have gotten used to your your presence out in the woods do you think that that's fair to say i think so because i have um i have two nephews and a nephew-in-law that hunt those woods too and they've never seen anything and they think old uncle dean is nuts you know and but then i've showed them pictures i'm like well you guys know the woods. Do you know where this spot is? Yep. Well, here's tracks, um, you know, and here's this and here's that, you know, and um, they don't laugh at me as quite as much as they used to. Yeah. Because, that, that you happens, know, yeah. They can, they can see the, the stuff. They can they, Oh yeah. I know where that fence is. Oh yeah. That tree looks familiar to me. I know where it is. And um, I was shocked that they didn't even know that there was caves back there until I told them. And, uh, so I think that they haven't really explored the woods too much. They they go in there and hunt, but they just go to the certain spots where they you know where they have where the tree stands are or where there's a place they can set and watch the field. But I don't think they've ever really walked those woods and really you know got into to seeing everything that's there. And I have, I mean, since I was little, I I walked those woods ever since I you know could do it. And uh, I don't do it so much anymore. It's because I can't because <laughs> I'm getting old. And I, so I really don't walk them as much as I used to, but I still like to get back in there uh, when I can. I had a uh, um, guy that just joined my organization this past summer. He's Native American. He's been having experiences with Bigfoot since he was six years old. And um, he, um, he told me himself when he was, he goes, this, this woods is, he said, this woods is really squatchy. He said, I can feel them here. And he goes, and I'm never wrong. He goes, I can feel when they're around. And he goes, and this, this wood is definitely squatchy. And uh, he stayed one night when we had a bonfire at the camp. And we were just sitting around talking, not necessarily about Bigfoot. We were talking about a bunch of different things. And all of a sudden, he got real quiet. And I said to him, uh, Adam, what's up? And he goes, we're being watched. And I go, we are? And he goes, yep. And he says, they're just curious what we're doing. It's, it's just he said i'm feeling curiosity he goes i'm not feeling aggression he goes i'm not feeling anything bad he goes they're just wondering what we're doing is is he and, uh, is he a medium or, or or sensitive to that sort of thing 
Yeah, yeah, he is. He he um he told me when he was a kid that uh he would go out in the backyard and play and there was a uh, a young Bigfoot about the same size as him that would come play with him. Oh man. And he said it was a female Bigfoot. He said it was a female Bigfoot. She would come a little girl Bigfoot. He called her Luna. That was the name he he doesn't even know why he called her that, but he called her Luna. And she would come when there was no adults around. She would come in the backyard and play with him. And he goes, and sometimes I would go in the woods and play with her. And my mother thought I had an imaginary friend. He goes, but I didn't. She was real. He goes, she was she was really there. She wasn't an imaginary. She, he goes, and he says, I, I, she would come and take my toys out of my back, out of the backyard. And my mother would yell at me and say, where's your toys? And he, I'd always just say, oh, Luna must be playing with them. And he goes, she'd bring them back. He goes, sometimes I'd have to go in the woods and get them. But he goes, most of the time she'd bring them back. And uh, he was involved in, I don't know if you ever heard of the Kandahar incident that happened uh, shortly after 9-11 when, when the war first started over there, where there was a Bigfoot killed. It's been all over the internet yeah, about I, a Bigfoot being killed in Kandahar. Yeah, I, I, I vaguely uh, remember wanted, something about that, yes. Yeah, he was uh, there. He said he told me he was there when that happened, and and he saw it. He saw the body. Wow. Yeah. And um, but yeah, he told me that story about Luna when he when he was a kid, and I just thought that was just amazing. I and, find it amazing. Uh, way, you know, and I and I believe him. You know, you, you when you talk to the guy, he's just so sincere. You know, and, and I don't think there's a dishonest bone in his body. You know, you just can't help but believe the guy when he tells you the story. Yeah, you get a, and, um, a good sense of, of, of how people, you, you can kind of tell when people are bullshitting, you know, unless they're very, very good at it, but yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Let me ask you this, Dean, I, I know you didn't tell anybody after you found the, the footprints in, in your initial encounter w- w- with Bigfoot, but at what point did you start telling people, and, and who did you tell? Did you call the police, or did you call the BFRO, did you call an expert, or who did you tell, and, and when? Um, that's a good question. I didn't tell anybody for a while, uh, after I saw, had the initial sighting where I I actually saw one. Um, I think the first person I told was, uh, I think it was my wife was the first person I actually told about it to anybody. And then I, uh, I did file a report with the BRFO. And they uh, they never got back to me, so I was like, well, I don't know what to do about that. So um, I kind of kept it to myself because I didn't, like I said, I didn't want to be made fun of or anything. And uh, I think it was after I had the uh, um, the aggressive howls, I went to my cousin who I uh, get along with very well, and he owns land right near where mine is, and I just kind of went to him and kind of felt him out. And I said, have you ever um, heard anything strange back on your land when you've been back there hunting? Because I said, your land kind of runs into mine. I said, uh, or anything weird back there? And he goes, he just looked at me and says, you saw a Bigfoot, didn't you? And I hadn't even seen, I hadn't said anything about it. I just said, you'd seen anything weird. And he just looked at me and grinned. He goes, you saw a Bigfoot, didn't you? And I said, yes, I did. And he just kind of grinned. He goes, I haven't seen one, but. He goes, I've heard some pretty strange things back there. And so I think he was actually the first person I actually really talked to about about it with. 
And, and, and um, at what point did you start really getting into the research part of it? I, I mean, it sounds like your encounters were happening kind of throughout your lifetime at, at this point. But when did you start getting into, okay, I, I want to learn more. I, I need to know more. Uh, I want to know I think, what I these... think it was after I, I think it was after I saw, had my first sighting. Then I started getting to, I started, you know, watching every special I could. Anytime there was a new show on TV, I'd watch it. Um, I started going on the internet. I started talking to other people. Um, and then I, I bought a Jeep uh, Liberty. And um, I got, you ever see, they have this, a lot of people have the things on, uh, that run across their windshield that'll say, uh, gone fishing or gone hunting or gone skiing or whatever like that. Oh, well, yeah. I ordered one that said gone, gone squatching. And I put it on my Jeep Liberty. And I would have people follow me to, to talk to me. I mean, I had this one guy follow me all through a development uh, to see where I went. And then when I pulled into the driveway, he pulled in behind me and he said, I saw, I've seen your Jeep and I really need to talk to you. And then he proceeded to tell me his Bigfoot story. And I would, it would happen all the time to me. I would go to a, a Lowe's or I'd go to a, a grocery store or a Walmart or someplace. And I'd pull in with my Jeep. And the next thing I know, here's somebody coming over to talk to me about Bigfoot. And tell me their Bigfoot story. And most of the time, it would start off by, don't think I'm crazy, but, or, you, do you take this seriously or is this a joke to you? And then I said, <laughs> no, I take this seriously. And then they would start in and tell me the story. I mean, I was just at a, I was at a convenience store putting air in my tire one day. And this guy pulls up next to me and says, hey, you know, he says, I saw your sticker on your car. I'm like, yeah. He goes, I saw one of them. And then he starts telling me it, this. I mean, it would happen all the time. I probably had 50 people over the period of time where I owned that Jeep that would do that. They came up and, and started sharing the story with me it's amazing how many people have actually seen these these creatures and you know a lot of these times people just don't report it or, or just kind of slough it off as, as no big deal but there's a lot of people that have have had run-ins with, with them at least that's what i'm finding what i've discovered since i've started doing the podcast because i get that quite as quite often as well i get people approaching me and telling me about their encounters and and such and a lot of the times they don't want to be on the, the podcast they just want to they just want to tell people and i've heard that exact phrase before don't think i'm crazy but <laughs> yeah i've heard that yeah. quite a bit yeah yeah i think that there's i think that there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of unreported sightings because of that people are afraid to be ridiculed and the people that do the ridiculing have no idea anything about bigfoot i mean i don't know how many times i started talking about bigfoot and somebody look at me goes there's more than one I mean, they have this thing in their mind. Some people have this thing in their mind that Bigfoot is like Santa Claus. There's only <laughs> one of them. Yeah. Okay. And and you look at them like, are you? Did you think this through before you asked that question? <laughs> I mean, I've even seen reporters on TV when there's been some kind of a Bigfoot story on there, and the person will say, "Well, there can't be a Bigfoot. He can't be everywhere," in, you know, or something like that. You look at the person like, "Do you have any kind of brain at all that that this is a species? It's it's not just a." you know, a one-time thing. It's not, you know, um, it's not Santa Claus. It's not the tooth fairy. It's not, there's, there's more than one of them. There's a breeding population of these things. They have their own 
civilization almost. They have their own hierarchy, probably. They have their own um, you know, their own way of doing things that we don't understand. And you know, they've been around probably longer than we've been around. And and they they are the ultimate woodsmen. They they can survive in the woods. They can keep themselves hitting because they know what they're doing. I was at a uh, uh, CC's Pizza. I don't know if they have those where you live or not, but they were like these pizza buffet places you go into and it's all you can eat kind of thing. So I was in, um, we have a big, huge military base up here near me called Fort Drum. And um, I was, I came in and I had a Bigfoot sweatshirt or something on and I, I got my stuff and I came over and I sat down and there was a couple tables full of soldiers from the base sitting there. And um, I always pay my respects to those people when I see them. I always say thank you for your service or something to that effect because I do have a lot of respect for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I had said something like that to them. And I sat down with my food, and the one guy uh, looks over, and he says, hey, I like your sweatshirt. And I was like, thanks. And he says, uh, do you believe in Bigfoot, or did you just like the sweatshirt? And I go, no, I, I believe in Bigfoot. And he just kind of grinned, and a couple of the other guys did too. I go, okay, here it comes. You know, they're going to make fun of me. And he says, uh, yeah, he goes, we see him up on the base every so often, and we get told to shut up. Really? And I was like, really? He's like, and he's like, yeah. And this one guy, he must have been new, I guess. And he says, oh, he goes, you guys are full of crap. And he was like, no, no, no. He says, it's true. And he goes, oh, they can't be any of them. We'd have got them by now if they'd have been up on the base. And he's given all the, you know, the things that most people say that have no idea what they're talking about. And, he, and then he said, well, there's no way they could be there and not be seen. And the one guy said, uh, maybe I should put you down for our next, uh, our next covert mission. And he looked at me, he goes, what's that? And he goes, well, he goes, I take a group of guys and we get dropped off in Plattsburgh at this other military base that was there. And he goes, and we have to find our way back to Fort Drum and not be seen. And he goes, I've never been caught once. And he's up it 12 times. He goes, if you really pay attention to what you're doing, travel at the right times of day, avoid crossing roads unless you have to, avoid crossing open spaces unless you have to, he says, you can do it. And he goes, if these guys are living in the woods and they know all the spots, they're going to be better at it than I am. And he goes, and I know I can do it, so I'm sure they can. And the guy just looked at him. He's like, really? He was like, really? And, uh, so that, I thought that was kind of a cool conversation to kind of listen to yeah, that's, while uh, I was sitting there. Yeah, that, that's very, that's very um, typical. I, I've heard that as well, you know, that military people get told to keep their mouth shut or, you know, get court-martialed or, or, or charged or something like that. But that's not the first time I've heard that. But, yeah, that's another episode for another day. Because I want to ask you about uh, your, your research group now. I want to get into how did it start and who's all involved in it at this point? Well, um I I got about 400 members, <clears throat> something like that, that are uh, members of the Facebook group, which, you know, most of them are not active. They're just, you know, either want to be on there because they they want to learn more about Bigfoot or they're just on there to, to read the cute, cool memes that I put on there all the time <laughs> or, uh, you know, something like that. But uh, of that group, I probably got about 15 or 20 people that I could call right now if I needed them and they would go with me uh, to do a follow-up or, or something like that. Or if I just wanted to go squatching, you know, I could probably count on a few of those people to go with me. 
but I think that's probably the same way in any organization. You have people that do stuff and people that don't. They just, you know, are just there. But uh, anyways, um, like I said, it got started because uh, I was doing, I, I kept, people found out about that I was interested in Bigfoot and that I had some experiences. So I got asked to uh, speak at a few different conventions and um, that was kind of how I got started. And I was doing a, um, a Bigfoot panel at, uh, it's called Shoreleaf Convention. It's in Baltimore every year. Um, and I was there and I was, I was talking about Bigfoot and there was a guy sitting down front listening to me. And when uh, the panel broke up, he came over and he introduced himself to me and he told me he was from the BRFO and he heard that I was going to be speaking there that day. So he came. And um, I, you know, that he had asked me, he said, well, have you, you know, did you report any of these studies to the BRFO? And I told him I tried to, but I, I didn't get any results. So I, I didn't do anything else after I had the other ones. And he says, well, that's unfortunate. They didn't follow up with you. And he says, well, why don't you start your own? He says, you're a smart guy. He says, um, he says, you're very sincere. He goes, I believe everything you told me. He said, uh, why don't you start your own? So that was when I, I kind of thought about it. I talked to a couple other people that were Bigfoot enthusiasts and asked them what they thought. And they all said, yeah, why don't, why don't you? So that was, that was how it got started. And um, I've had a lot of fun with it. It's really, it really has been a lot of fun. Um, I've got to go to a bunch of different places. I got to talk to some real interesting people. Um, I got to tell you this story because it was kind of funny. I got asked to be on um, the Ghost Hunters. I don't know if you've ever seen that show. It used to be on uh, TAPS. They're out of New Jersey. Uh, they do, you know, ghost investigations. Well, they had a, like a podcast show on for a while. And uh, I got asked to, to come on and talk about Bigfoot. So I was on there and uh, for 10, 15 minutes to talk to those guys about that because they, they do more than one topic of show. And uh, I did their Bigfoot segment that one week and uh, didn't think any more of it. So anyways, I went to a convention two years ago in February uh, and I was, uh, I did, I did a Bigfoot panel. And after the panel, I was just kind of wandering around and this young lady came up to me and she said, uh, can I ask you a question? I'm like, sure. She goes, well, I heard about your Bigfoot panel, but I wasn't able to go. She said, uh, do you know the guy that runs Seaway Valley Bigfoot Research? And I started laughing. And I go, yeah, that's me. <laughs> and she says, well, she said, uh, the ghost hunters did an investigation on our property because uh, the woods uh, down behind my sister's uh, farm is haunted. There's a lot of Indian burial grounds down in there. And she says, and on top of that, she goes, there's an old cemetery. She goes, it's partially modern and partially very, very old. And she said the farmer accidentally uh, disturbed some graves up there. He was expanding his cornfield and he plowed in just some old graves. And since that he did that, there's been a lot of paranormal activity up there. So she said the ghost hunters came up there and did an investigation. And while they were there, they found Bigfoot tracks and they told me that I should get a hold of the guy that runs Seaway Valley Bigfoot Research because they remembered me from the podcast. And she goes, we've been wanting to get a hold of you, but we weren't sure exactly. We lost the information they gave us and we weren't sure how to get a hold of you. So she says, is it okay um, if you know we contact you sometime in the future so you can come down and do an investigation on our farm? 
And I said, well, sure, I, I would like that. So anyways, I, uh, I got talking to them the rest of the convention, and then they were very nice, very nice young ladies. And I, I got to be friends with, friendly with them. And uh, so they invited me up to their room to watch uh, some of the Ghostbusters or the Ghostbusters, Ghost Hunters footage that was shot. <laughs> they had it on, on their thing. So I walked, I went up there and I looked at it and, I, and uh, you know, that was pretty cool, the stuff they had on there. So I gave my card and everything. I said, well, yeah, get, get a hold of me. I said, you know, I'll come down and uh, do an investigation because it was about three hours away from where I live. So um, when I got home, I got a very, very long email from their sister who actually owns the farm. It was very nice. Uh, inviting me to come down. So uh, the first available time I had was in July. So I went down um, and I did a preliminary investigation. They showed me some around the place during the daytime. Uh, we even did a walk through of the cemetery when she, they showed me where it had been disturbed and things. And uh, so we decided to do a night investigation that night on the other side of the road from where the cemetery was. And uh, when we initially went out, it was, uh, there was four of us. There was myself, um, two, of the, uh, two of the young ladies that I met at the convention and their, uh, their son-in-law. And uh, their niece, whose sister owned the farm, wanted to go with us, but her, her mother wouldn't let us let her. She said, no, you got chores to do. You got you to gotta do your chores before you do anything else. So anyways, we went out and we um, found this area down by a, this swampy area. And we did some calls. And we got an answer. We got a call back, and it was from the other side of where we were. There was a big, huge swamp, and I didn't know the area that well. It was getting, it was pretty dark. So I asked the uh, the young man, his name was Jonathan. I said, uh, "Is there another way to get around over there on the other side?" He goes, "Oh yeah." He said, "There's a pond over there," and he goes, and "There's an access road that comes off the state land that goes to the pond." He says, "We can get back there." So I said, "Well, I'd like to go back near that pond," and he says, "Okay." So we walked back uh, to the uh, to the farm, and uh, we stopped at the house to tell them where we were going. And by this point, the young lady had gotten done with her chores. So she begged her mother to go. So her mother says, can she go with you? And I said, yeah, I don't care. She can come. So we got in the cars, and we drove up to where the access road was. And we left the cars out near the road, and we walked in. So uh, one group stayed up by, uh, there was like a, a downgrade that went down to where the pond was some of the people stayed up on top of the hill and myself and jonathan and this young lady her name was anna we went down to the uh to the pond so we got down there and we did a couple of uh, whoops we didn't hear anything for a little while and then i said well i'm gonna i'm gonna throw caution to the wind and i'm gonna do an aggressive growl and see what happens so i did one and then we got a call back it wasn't an aggressive call back but we got a, we got a couple of whoops so I said, geez, I said, they're still here. So I had a, I have a club that I carry with me that I call my, my squatching club. I do tree knocking with. So I gave it to this John, young man, Jonathan. I said, go up to the top of the hill. I says, find a nice tree. I says, and give it a couple of wraps with this thing. And the young lady says to me, what do you want me to do? And I'm thinking to myself, well, I, I don't really know these people that well. I don't really want to be down here by myself with this young lady. So I said, well, you go with him. So she says, okay, so up they go. So I'm standing down there by the pond and I heard them do the rap and all of a sudden I could hear them talking and they were talking very loud. And I'm like, oh crap, I guess I didn't give them good enough instructions. I forgot I'm dealing with amateurs here. I, I should have told them they had to be quiet. So I hear uh, footfalls and here they come running down the hill. Dean, Dean, Dean. I'm like, what? And they go, we got a knock. We got a knock. We got a knock. 
I'm like, okay. I says, well, I says, but you gave it away. You talked. I says, they're on to us now. They're going to know we're people. I says, well, I'll come back up with you. So I went back up to the top of the hill and I said, so, okay, which tree did you hit with the club? And he showed me. And so I said, go over and give it a couple more wraps. So he gave it a couple more wraps and we stood there for probably 15, 20 minutes, nothing, dead silence. So I was like, well, they're on to us. They know we're people. They're not going to answer back now. I says, and it was starting to rain a little bit. I said, we might as well go back to the vehicles. So Jonathan says, okay, well, I know where I'm going. I'll go ahead of you guys and you follow me. So I said, okay. So I think every investigator has what we call a Scooby-Doo moment. Whether you're a ghost hunter, a Bigfooter, or whatever, there's always that Scooby-Doo moment. We were walking up the hill, and the young lady's walking right next to me, and she she leans into me, and she whispers, and she says, wow, it's really hard to walk in the dark, isn't it? And as soon as she said that, whap, whap, whap on a tree, and I mean, it was right on top of us. And it was like Scooby-Doo and Shaggy. She was trying to climb up on my back, grabbing hands full of me, and I mean, <laughs> And, and screaming at the top, there's one I'm like, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I practically had to carry her up the hill. She was so scared. And uh, we got back to the house, and uh, I was telling her mother about it. And her mother thought it was pretty hilarious because she always thinks, I guess she's a little tomboy. She always thinks she's, you know, so tough and so fearless. <laughs> <laughs> it's but, funny how... Uh... Oh, Bigfoot can can bring out the the you know the big chicken in people. <laughs> my, I mean, my... I wasn't scared at all because I knew if he's making that kind of noise. He's not trying to hurt. Yeah. Because yeah. if if they were going to hurt you, they would be stealthy and sneak up on you and just snatch you. You know, yeah. <laughs> they could they could snatch you and and break you in two before you even knew you got snatched. Yeah. So yeah. he was just telling us he was there. You know, <laughs> but it, it was it was hilarious. It, 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 you would have had to see it. If you'd have seen it, you'd have, you'd have been rolling on the floor laughing. She, it was just so funny. It was that Scooby-Doo moment that everybody has. <laughs> yeah. yeah my, uh, I, I, during my own sighting, my first initial encounter, well, my first sighting, um, I had my brother with me, and he's, a, he's an RCMP member, which is our federal police force. And uh, you, you would think that someone who is paid to carry around a handgun and deal with the scum of the world would be uh, cool under pressure. But uh, much like your own experience, we had a Scooby-Doo moment where my brother kind of lost it. <laughs> so that's why I find it funny. Is that, yeah, yeah, it's a, people are, uh, it, it, I just find it kind of funny how Bigfoot can uh, turn the bravest men into cowards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, they, the sister of the television, she said that, that they've had quite a few extremely strange happenings on that farm it's it's their farm i can't remember the acre she told me her farm is but it's right up against two thousand acres of state land and um it's um so it's a big area you know and could easily you know could easily support several families of of, of squatches very easily yeah and um she said that they've had some so they've, they've heard strange noises in the woods they've actually heard music coming out of the woods i mean not not like your ordinary something from a radio station music, but like old music. You're like really like old, old, you know, Victorian time music. Just, you know, coming out of the woods. That's, that's and, weird. And um, she said, yeah, and it, and it, they they had one incident where there was something making a beeping noise, and it kept coming closer, then it would go away and coming closer and going away. 
So they were thinking that maybe it's a tagged animal or something that, you know, the, the tag was malfunctioning and putting out some kind of a noise where, you know, normally wouldn't. So they called the uh, DEC and they came, they sent somebody over and they told them about it and, and they kind of poo-pooed it. Oh, it can't be, you know, it's nothing, it's nothing. So the guy went down by the barn and he heard it. And he goes, is that the sound that you're hearing? And she says, yes. She goes, sometimes it's right up here next to the barn. And she goes, but sometimes it's back towards the woods. And she goes, are you going to go check it out? He goes, oh, I'm not going in there. <laughs> I mean, this is a guy from the, the DC. You know, I'm not going in there, he says. So he came back with a whole bunch of them, and they went into the woods. And um, they, she said they were back there for hours. And then they came out, and she asked them what they found, and they they just kind of blew her off. Didn't really answer about it. You know, oh, no, no, it was nothing. It was nothing. It was nothing kind of thing. But she could tell by the way they were talking, it wasn't nothing. And she says after that, though, that it stopped. They didn't hear that beeping noise anymore. Oh, wow. wonder but, what that uh, was. Yeah. You know, I don't know. She said she they wouldn't tell her. You know, they kept on saying, oh, it was nothing. It was nothing. But... uh yeah, she said we've had a lot of really weird things go on there, and they had a sighting um, of a Bigfoot too. They uh, one came was came up around behind their their uh, horse pasture and was watching them while they were sitting on their deck. And uh, Jonathan and and the young lady that had the Scooby Doo moment with me, she they both saw it. And um, yeah, I, I can I can definitely that whole area down there. It's right on the Finger Lakes. Um, I don't know if you know much about. New York State or not, but we have what they call the Finger Lakes. They, if you look at the map, they actually look like fingers, and and um, that's right in that general area where where uh, I was that time. It was called Bath, New York, was the name of the place, and uh, it is very beautiful area. It's and very squatchy looking. When you see it, it's like, oh yeah, there's squatches here. Got to be. Yeah. And. Um, it, it's it's very I, I've been there twice I've I've gone there two different times, and both times got good results. And um, I went up there not with these people but with another guy I know. We went up there uh, last winter, and what we did is we drove around during the daytime up on the back roads, and we saw where the deer had been coming across the roads, and we marked those areas. We took a ribbon and tied it to a tree so we could find it when it was dark. And we found several of those areas where the deer had been using it quite a bit because we thought that might be a good spot because, you know, the squatches, if they're hunting, you know, they're going to be where the deer are or, you know, where they think the deer are going to be. And uh, we got uh, quite a bit of good results. We went up there and uh, stopped and we just, we pulled the car over and we just sat there for a while. And then we, we would start making noise. We'd do a couple of whoops or, or even a growl. And we got several um answers back and um so that 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 went well too i never tried doing that before but it worked it worked very well and um it you know i, I enjoy going down to that area it's, it's a little bit of a drive for me but it, it's well worth the drive once you get there because it's just a real good hot spot well you're really you're really really into the whole bigfoot community now right it's it's kind of taken a big chunk of your life uh yeah, it probably takes up more of my life than it probably should. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I uh, seems like I've always got something going on with it. Um, I almost got a TV show. Um, about seven or eight years ago, one of the other Bigfoot researchers uh, that uh, 
I talk to periodically, you know, because of the websites and stuff. And I, I belong to his and he belongs to mine. You know how that is. And um, he sent me a thing one day. He goes, hey, I don't know if you're interested in this or not, but he said uh, they're uh, doing auditions for, they're going to do a new Bigfoot show. And he says, I'm not interested in doing it. Cause, but he said, I thought maybe you might be. So he, he sent me the information. So I called and they go, oh, yeah, we're, we're going to do this. And we're looking for Bigfoot, real Bigfoot researchers for this. And I said, well, I, I'd be interested. And so um, I did three uh, Skype interviews with them. And uh, they pretty much had told me that I was, I was going to be part of it. Uh, but then um, the uh, network that was going to do it decided not to. Um, it was going to be, I think they said the tentative working name for it was going to be called Extreme Bigfooting. And they were going to like go to like extreme places. They were going to go to like Siberia. They were going to go to, you know, the Alaskan Triangle. They were going to go uh, way up north in Canada to several remote places up in there. Um, it sounded like it would have been a lot of fun. I, I wish they'd have done it. Um, not just because, you know, it'd be cool to be on a TV show, but just because it would have been cool to go to those places, you know. Yeah, it would have been, uh, would have been cool just, to watch, too. To see, you know, that would, that would have been really, really awesome. But, yeah. they, but they pulled the plug on it for some reason. Well, that's too bad. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was pretty psyched for it. Uh, you know, I, I've done a lot of stuff, you know, and I've got to you know, meet a lot of people through this. Yeah, and that's the great thing about the Bigfoot community is that kind of run in the same circles as I know a few people that I think we have mutual friends, you know, uh, within the the community itself. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was, I kind of uh, thought it was kind of cool. I found a Bigfoot track last summer. Uh, first one that I found that was really castable. The other ones I'd found were, you know, either I didn't have anything with me to do it with, or um, they just weren't good enough tracks really, to, you know, where you could get a good impression of one. So I found this one, uh, track in the mud um so it was right in the general area where i uh where i bigfoot all the time i'm sure it was left by one of the members of the family that lives on my property and uh i casted it It was not the best cast probably but i'd never tried i never really had done one before and uh, but i thought it came out pretty pretty good so um i shared it on a couple of different bigfoot websites and um, this one place I put it on, they, they were all, oh, you faked it, you faked it, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, no, I didn't. I don't fake anything. I, I don't tell any stories. Uh, you know, I tell true stories. I don't, I don't make things up. And I said, and I didn't fake this. It was, you know, it was real. So um, the one website, one Bigfoot website I put it on, the one guy, I think he was making a snide comment. And he said, uh, oh, yeah, I wonder what the, big, the, the Bigfoot, finding Bigfoot team would think of this. Well, it just so happened to be that uh, Bobo is a member of that that one, and oh, he wrote back and he said, "I think he did a pretty good job." <laughs> so cool. that kind of made me feel good. That's cool. You know, that, that, yeah, that Bobo said that. He goes, "I I think he did a pretty good job." So, uh, um, that's cool. but you know, I I have uh, since said I I learned from making that cast. So I think when I make, if I I'm hoping I get a chance to make another one that I'll do a lot better job next time I do it. But it was just, uh, I didn't really, I wasn't prepared for it when I found, I had the plaster, plaster with me, but I didn't really have everything I really should have had with me to make it, you know, a better cast, but I did the best I could. 
Yeah, you have to keep me. Uh, you have to send me some pictures of, of the stuff that you find. I, I love seeing encounters and prints and all that kind of stuff from all over, from all different parts of the continent. So, yeah, definitely have to keep me in the loop on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Dean, I normally ask my guests this to close out the interview, but I want to know like how has your Bigfoot experience changed you? But I, I think it's fairly obvious to to you know everybody that you know it's had a fairly meaningful impact in your life. So let me ask you this other question then. Has there been anything that you've you've discovered in all the years you've been researching that has really surprised you about these creatures? Um, I think I've learned that they're a whole lot more intelligent than I thought they were. When I first heard about Bigfoot, I figured, well, they're they're uh, you know they're primates, so they, you know they're going to be semi-intelligent because most primates are. Um, but their intelligence has surprised me. That you know, uh, I've, I've talked to people that have told me some very, very, very interesting stories. It took intelligence for them to do the things that they did that were described to me. Um, I, I think that uh, they could be out of par with us as far as intelligence, and I, I never really thought about that before I got into this. But the the more I learn about them, the more respect I have for them. Uh, as far as their their brain power or their intelligence or their intellect they they are a very very smart species um, in some ways maybe maybe smarter than we are um, they don't have the technology and all that kind of thing, but they don't need it and yeah. and maybe they realize that they don't need the stuff that we have so that's you know they're not interested in it they're interested in and what they're interested in it and in their world, they're the top. They're the top, top brain in their world. They're the, they're the best woodsmen, and the, they're the best um, hunter gatherers. And that takes a lot of that takes a lot of brains. Yeah, yeah. I, I did a show a few yeah. weeks ago with a gentleman, and his he, he kind of said something that really kind of hit home, kind of along the same lines that you were just you're just talking about. Uh, he mentioned that you know our our need for technology is, is you know phones and tablets and cars and you know all this other stuff that's moving us forward technologically but to the sasquatch their technology is is finding balance within nature and and hunting and learning the land and so they you know that definitely takes um some kind of intelligence to go down that road to specifically choose to skip you know the route that man took humanity took and to stay within the, 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 the confines of the forest, I mean, I, I think that is a, a sign of intelligence, you know, because if you look at the world and the state it's in right away in these days, you know, maybe they're onto something and maybe we should learn from the Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's a lot we can learn from the Bigfoot. I really, I really do. You know, and um, I, I'm sure that they have their own language, you know, uh, and their own and their own way of, of uh, teaching their young and their own, their own way of, of uh, passing on what they know, um, you know, I, I've talked to I, I've talked to some Native Americans, and they have their own legends about Bigfoot and their own and their own wisdom, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and they talk about you know the days when they, they they interacted with some of the Indians, called them the Hairy Tribe. That they look at them as being human, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, their interactions in the past, you know, before white man came to this continent with the Bigfoot and, and their relationships and their trading with them and 
and their wars with them and, and, you know, all the other things that went along with that. And, um, and then they talk about the Bigfoot communicate and, and could talk. And um, I uh, had one lady, I, when I do my panels, I usually started off after I introduced myself by saying uh, something along the lines, you know, has anybody here ever had a, a Bigfoot experience, either a sighting or, or something else that they contributed to Bigfoot. And usually I'll have, if I have a group of 25 or 30 people, I'll probably have two or three that'll, that'll volunteer, you know, to say something or tell, you know, a short story. And um, this one lady from Pennsylvania told me that she had a cat that she always let out in the morning before she went to work. And when the cat would come back in, she, she left. And uh, she let the cat out one particular morning and she ate her breakfast and she went to open the door to bring the cat back in and it didn't come. So she went outside and she called the cat and the cat didn't come. So she went out in the backyard, which her backyard borders on woods. And she went out in the backyard. She was going, here, kitty, 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 here, kitty, 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 here, kitty, 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 no cat. So she finally, she had to go to work. So she left. So when she got home that night, she expected to come home and find the cat sitting on the front porch waiting for, you know, to let it in no cat so again she went out in the backyard and she started going here kitty kitty here kitty kitty here kitty kitty and all of a sudden from out in the brush she heard in a very deep baritone voice here kitty 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 oh. and she just froze and turned around and boogie to the house and yeah. I said, did the cat ever come back and she said nope <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I, I think you realize the cat was probably breakfast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I've heard hundreds at this point. I, I've only been doing the podcast for just over a year, but I've heard hundreds of, of accounts. And, and for some reason, uh, it's actually changed me as well quite a bit. But the one thing that I just can't get over is they're, they're mimicking. Uh, I've heard them do mimic mimicry in my own research and when we've been out in the field. But when they do it, for some reason, that just kind of, send shivers down my spine i don't know why but it's just one of those things that gets to me every single time so when you said that uh, i kind of did that oh, that kind of shakes <laughs> <laughs> i have a research friend that lives in that same area and she uh does gifting also like i do and uh i very rarely ever talk to her she comes to the conventions and i see her at the conventions but i i very rarely ever talk to her other than that and, but i have her number and she has mine and about oh, three or four months ago, two o'clock in the morning, she called me. And like I said, she hardly ever, ever calls me. She calls me at two o'clock in the morning. And I was, I had to go to work. And I, I, I looked over and I saw it was her. I'm like, oh, she must have pocket dialed me. There's no way she's calling me on purpose this time of night. So I didn't answer it. And uh, about 15, 20 minutes later, she called me again. I go, well, okay, and must, she must have meant to because if she's calling me back this quick. So I answered the phone. And she was in a panic. And I was like, what's wrong? She says, well, she says, I was doing a night investigation. She says, and uh, it's in the area where I go all the time. And she says, and I, I, I brought, some, uh, I brought some, some gifts for them. And I left the gifts out. And she goes, and I did a walk around I, like I normally do. And she says, I came back to my car. And she goes, Dean, there's a dead deer on top of my car. <laughs> She goes, what does that mean? Are they telling me to get the heck out of here? Or what's going on? I don't understand. And she was very upset. She was in a dead panic. So I says, well, calm down. I says, 
is that the car you always drive when you go there? And she says, yeah. She says, it's the only car I have. She's, I says, so the Squatches in that area have seen your car before. And she says, yeah. And I says, well, I says, then I would think it's either one of two things. I says, either they're gifting you back or they're playing a joke on you. I says, there could be a young juvenile Sasquatch standing off where you can't see him right now, laughing his Terry butt off at you because he freaked out the little foot. I says, or I says, it could be that they're trying to gift you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a heck of a gift. <laughs> yeah. That's she cool... says, well, she goes, I don't think it's a gift. And I'm like, why is that? She goes, because it looks like it's roadkill. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I says, well, I says, to, to them, roadkill is probably like us going to McDonald's. And I, so I said, well, I says, can you get the, the deer off by yourself? She goes, yeah. And I said, well, I would just push it off the car and, and just leave it there. Push it over to the side of the road and leave it there. <laughs> says, so she said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. She goes, but I didn't know what to do. She says, I'm almost crying. She says, I'm so upset. She says, I didn't know who else to call, so I called you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it, it's yeah. kind of, it's funny how they're, uh, uh, what their gifts are, right? Yeah. That's uh that's a cool yeah. story, though. Well, yeah. like what I got from them, you know, it was not, it was useless to me what they gave me, but it was probably something to them, you know, and uh, that was food to them. Those potatoes and you know, and those old dried up corn corn cobs that was something they would eat. So, yeah, so I, you know, that's probably the same thing. Yeah, and that's a that's a real that's a real gift from from the forest people so yeah that that's very cool i hope you still well, i don't know if you can preserve them or not but I, do you still have them no i i didn't take them i i left them um i took pictures of it stuff i, I, I i'm pretty sure i sent you the pictures of it I'm yeah sure yeah yeah but i was just wondering if you still yeah, i um i i just took pictures of them and i left them there and um but i i did say thank you to them audibly i i you know i stood there and said hey guys thanks a lot that was uh, Thank you for thinking of me. I, you know, and uh, like I said, I think they, they, I think they understand a lot more than we think they do. And uh, as far as you know, our speech or our, you know, maybe they can tell by the tones or the intentions of what we're saying to them. Yeah, and, body you know, language. I, I think they, they, I think they realize I, I, you know, was was being sincere when I told them thank you. That is very cool. So, that is very very cool. Dean, that, was one, that was one of the coolest things that's happened to me. Yeah, that does sound. That's uh, I wish I had more encounters like that. But I guess it takes me actually getting back out into the woods again. But uh, in winter right now, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me neither. I don't go out there much this time of year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dean, I want to say thank you for taking the time to come on today. This was really fun. I had a really great time talking to you about all this stuff. Oh, me too. And, me and, too. I, I love talking about Bigfoot and it's, Always fun to to talk to somebody else that likes to too. Yeah, me too. I, I can listen to stories all day long, and that's kind of the selfish reason why I started the podcast is because I wanted to hear more stories. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, Dean, once again, thank you so much. And, and for the listeners, actually, I'll, I'll leave a link to Dean's Facebook page in the podcast description yeah, if you guys want to check it out and maybe join and and uh, give back to the community. But uh, I'll leave a, a link to the his group in the description. Uh, Dean, thank you again so much for coming on. I, I sincerely do appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. I, I had a good time. Thank you. And for the listeners, tune in this Tuesday. We're going to have another new episode for you. We'll be speaking to Rhoda coming to us from Louisiana. Uh, she's going to share her experiences as a child growing up on the family farm and watching one of these creatures hunt her dog. 
So uh, definitely tune in this Tuesday for that. Uh, but until then, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.